Today's episode of The Mailroom is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think NFL tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score some last minute tickets. Live from Studio Nowhere. This is the Athletics Mailroom Podcast. Now here's your host, Amy Parlapiano. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Mailroom. I'm Amy Parlapiano. This is the podcast where we ask our own subscribers questions to a different guest each week. And this week, we have our national NFL writer who also covers the Eagles extensively as well. It's Sheil Kapadia. Hey, Sheil, what's up? Amy, how you doing? I'm good. I'm still recovering from a very bizarre week four where I feel like I know nothing about like 27 of the teams now. So good to have you here to help us break that down. Yeah, you know, I was doing, we, we do the power rankings every week and yeah. I think I had like the top two or three. And then after that, I was, the ne- it seemed like the next six or seven teams actually lost this week. And I know uh, it seems like readers get very upset when a, a team loses <laughs> and moves up or when a team wins and moves down. So uh, I know uh, they were they were uh, getting on Lindsay a little bit for that when it was really my fault after week one. Yes. So I'm really trying to avoid that. The famed Vikings debacle of week one. Although, <laughs> Sheila, I have to say, you you look like quite a genius now. You seem to have that. Uh, <laughs> you have that. They, you had them sniffed out early. Um, maybe Maybe I accidentally got that one right. Our commenters are very passionate folks, I will say. Um, Okay, so I want to get right into this. Speaking of our commenters, they submitted quite a few questions here. And Sheila, I think people really trust you to give them life advice because the first couple are are some fans who are going through some stuff right now and they really want you to help them out. And so this first one from Jim P, I almost feel like we need to play like dramatic music in the background. He's really asking for your help. So he says, Dear Sheila, I am finally giving up on the Bengals. I need to adopt a new team so I can hopefully save what little sanity I have left. Any suggestions on who my new team should be? And he follows that up with, I just want a team that I can get behind, that plays with pride and effort. They don't have to win all the time, just have potential. Jill, there's a lot riding on this. Jim P's happiness is in your hands. I know. I really do feel bad for these teams where it's not just a bad coach or a bad quarterback or a bad roster. It it starts at the top and we'll get to another team, I'm sure, shortly where that really fits that description. (laughs) But, you know, they just feel like they have no chance. I think it's been like 29 years since the Bengals won a playoff game, which is just insane with the way the the league is set up for that not to happen. So, uh, you know, I, I feel for you, Jim, and I actually was giving this a lot of thought. So, Uh, usually I am on the side of you got to just stick with the team you grew up with. You can't change, but I do think there are exceptions and I hear what he's saying. So you can't go with a team that's like going to win a Super Bowl this year. Patriots are excluded a hundred percent. Can't choose the Patriots, you know, even the chiefs. It feels like that's too, like too bandwagony right now. A hundred percent. You can't be accused of jumping on the bandwagon. That's the worst thing for a fan to do. So you can't do that. And I, I also think you can't, 
choose a team that has this like very rich history, you know, like I right. know in, in Philadelphia when they won the Super Bowl, it was like fans who had gone through 30 years of the team, you know, everyone telling them your team's never won a Super Bowl. And so there's a sort of feeling you get when your team finally w- wins. So I, I think I've narrowed it down to two, Amy. You might have to pick the final one here. Ooh, one, okay. one is the Carolina Panthers. So, Ooh, uh, okay. you know, it I like might it. Su- I like it. Yeah, it might surprise some people, but you know, I, I think they've um, they're they're generally somewhat competitive. Uh, Ron Rivera, I thought was very likable on on All or Nothing. So you've got that uh, Charlotte. You know, I, I like Charlotte. Charlotte's a nice city. You know, you can go there once uh, once a year and check out a, a Panthers game. They seem very welcoming there. I don't think they'd ha- they'd have an issue with you uh, hopping on board. So that's one. And then number two is the Los Angeles Chargers now. Ooh, interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah. Obviously, they, they need fans. They're in, exa- they're in dire yeah. need of fans. <laughs> exactly. You know, you can get a ticket. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can, you, you can do that type of thing. And really, I think they've been really fun this year. You know, I thought they were going to take a step back, but uh, Philip Rivers is, you know, he's, he's like doing these funny jogging motions after he runs for <laughs> first downs. And, uh, you know, I think they've been very competitive. I think they've got a good roster. You can go to L.A. once a year for a game, you know. And there's yeah, make a little vacay out of it. Yeah, yeah so I, I, th- I think those are the two teams. What, what do you think? What, which one should we steer him towards? Those are good choices. I'm kind of in on the Chargers. I like it. I, I, I think that they, you know, they were really good last year. They haven't started out as strongly as people thought this year, but I like watching Rivers. They have good talent there. It sounds like Gordon's going to play again now. So they'll, they, I, I like it. And they, yeah, again, they just are really in need of fans. So Jim, I think they'd welcome you with open arms. There you go. Jim, all right, we'll buy you a Chargers jersey. <laughs> That's the other question. thing, those oh, powder uniforms, blue jerseys. Amazing. Yeah. My favorite uniforms in the entire league. So yeah, Absolutely. I'm definitely on board with the Chargers now. All right, we solved your problems, Jim. You're going to be a Chargers <laughs> fan. Um, I don't think we can solve Josh B's problems, though. He's mm. next, and he, he asks, he asks, Dear Sheil, why does Dan Snyder hate Redskins fans? Why haven't they fired Gruden? Why won't they just trade Trent Williams? Is there any hope in continuing to be a Redskins fan? Yeah, I think this is really the (laughs) toughest one in the league, given the ownership. You you know, you just, you have no shot, Josh. I wish I could tell you (laughs) that, you know, firing Jay Gruden and adding a new coach would fix it, that trading Trent Williams would get you a a high pick and you could rebuild and be back on your way to competitiveness. But when you have bad ownership, a bad front office, you know, I, I mean, let's say they do fire Jay Gruden. I think there's a good chance that they do do that sometime, whether it's during the season or after the season. I mean, that's one of the least attractive head coaching positions in the NFL. So I don't, I, you know, there's only 32 coaches always say there will be someone who will take it, but you're certainly not going to get the best candidates there. Uh, the Trent Williams thing is fascinating. Like, what is he doing? I, I don't know. Yeah, if I, I don't our, know. our Washington beat writers <laughs> might need to go and like, you know, hang out with him and watch a game <laughs> or something. Is he in America? Is, has he gone <laughs> abroad? I don't know where, what's going on. I mean, really one of the best left tackles in the NFL, a position that teams just ha- have such dire need for, and they're just kind of letting him hang out there. And I think it'll come to the surface, whatever his biggest issues are. Uh, at some point. So uh, 
there's really no hope, you know, to be quite honest. <laughs> I would do something else on your Sundays. I would maybe uh, choose another sport to follow until they get new ownership, maybe switch teams like Jim P. But I just think when you have uh, such such kind of, um, you know, uh, bad, bad ownership, bad decision making, no stability, no plan. I mean, you have a coach who obviously doesn't want to play. Haskins and you have a front office who, who drafted him and uh, they're re- I, I, what I really enjoy about them though Amy is that they don't like Gruden is just at this point where he's not even like trying to hide his feelings about anything you know oh yeah he, yeah he's he, like in full like DGAF <laughs> mode <laughs> yeah yeah like he had the Adrian Peterson thing before week one now it's this Haskins thing and so um, either sit back and enjoy the the chaos or do something else on your Sundays yeah, well, the Panthers, we just suggested the Panthers to Jim. And if Jim is Chargers fan, then Josh, there's a slot with the Panthers that's open. So maybe you, you become a Carolina fan. Yeah, that's not even uh, far far from the, the D.C. area. You could drive <laughs> yeah. down to some games. Exactly. I think that's the answer, Josh. Sorry. Hopefully you don't watch any more Redskins games this season because I watched the full one on Sunday. And I oh just I was I was like, let me do anything else in the world than watch <laughs> yes. the rest of this game. Um, okay, so we talked a bit at the beginning about how confusing everything is in the league, especially after week four, and there are just a lot of two and two teams. So there are two very clear top two teams in the league, I think, the Patriots and the Chiefs. And then Diego M asks, Dear Shield, who is the third best team in the AFC? Can we actually say the Bills? Hmm. That is it. That's a great question. This yeah, this goes back to our sort of power rankings questions. Well, I think there are a few teams in the mix. I would not go with the Bills. If if you went with the Bills, uh, I, I think that is defensible. I, I think that really it went a little bit unnoticed, but the job that Sean McDermott and that defense did against Tom Brady was so impressive last week. Uh, you know, I, I wrote about it in my 10 likes and dislikes column, but if you look at Brady's numbers compared to like really his entire career, I mean, that was one of his worst games statistically ever. They were forcing yeah. three and outs. They were really keeping uh, Buffalo in the game, but you know, just Josh Allen is fun. Uh, and I'm not like totally giving up on him or anything like that, but I, I think just having that sort of, um, you don't know what's happening with their quarterback situation. You don't know how good their offense is going to be. So I can't go with them. I, I think it comes down to two teams. One is the one we mentioned before, and that's the Chargers. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I, I thought they were going to take a, a bigger step back this year, to be quite honest, given their offensive line situation. They lose Derwin James before the season, but they really gave away one game to the Detroit Lions where you know if they didn't make, if they made only like five huge mistakes instead of six, they'd probably win that game and they would be right. sitting at three and one. So I think they're definitely in the conversation. And then the other one uh, is the Baltimore Ravens, who uh, I've liked what I've seen from them uh, overall. And I am a little bit concerned. Jeff Zreback had some good notes on kind of the chaos that's going on there where, uh, you know, Earl Thomas and their nose tackle, Brandon Williams, kind of got into a verbal altercation after the the last game. So that's not good. And, you know, Earl (laughs) Thomas had the one play where he kind of let up and, you know, he said afterwards, well, he didn't want to pull a a hamstring. I mean, I like Earl Thomas a lot. I don't know if that's exactly what you want to (laughs) hear from a guy who you just gave a big uh, free agent contract too. So I think they've got some stuff to figure out, but I I really like the infrastructure there. I like Harbaugh. Uh, I like the front office. I think they've got a good roster. I've been encouraged from what I've seen uh, by the offense. So I think I would go with one of those two teams. If I had to pick one right now, uh, you know what? I'll I'll go with the Ravens. I I think they'll figure some stuff out and I, I think they'll be in the mix. 
Yeah, so I think it's really weird. I'm like looking through now again to see. And I think in our power rankings also, I don't think, I think it was like all NFC teams after numbers one and two, like through most of the rest of the top 10 was all NFC. And then I think the Ravens were at like 11. And I think, Chill, I think you didn't really drop the Ravens much after their their week four loss. And I think probably that a lot of that is just because, like, who is really that much better than them at this point? That's the other thing. We're not really that sure about a lot of teams. So it feels like a lot of stuff is up in the air. Um, yeah. So I agree yeah. that I think the Ravens are probably, from what we've seen so far, probably still the the third best team in the AFC, but we'll we'll learn more about them soon and see if their defense is really going to derail their season because it has not looked very good. Yeah, yeah. The final score of that game was really, you know, I think it was 40 to 25, but I think with like nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, it was a one possession game. And then, uh, you know, uh, Nick Chubb had the long run and some stuff fell apart, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I kind of, you know, I I try to, those power rankings are tough because there's so much recency bias where you're like, this team looked terrible yesterday. (laughs) But, uh, you know, you try to look at the big picture and project down the road a little bit. Yeah, and you, you're good at not overreacting. Uh, I feel like our commenters are like, why is Baltimore still at number 11? They should be behind the Browns, you know. I, I know, I'm going to have to like give passionate. out my email address or something so that Lindsay doesn't take the, uh, <laughs> they don't take out all their uh, aggression and criticism on her when I'm responsible every week, I think. All right, so we mentioned the Bills. I want to kind of talk about something that happened in the Bills game that's related to another thing that happened this week that is really big in the news right now. So John G, there are kind of two questions related to this topic here. So John G asks, uh, Dear Shill, I'm not defending Vontaze Burfick's hit, but why didn't the Patriots and Bucks players get suspended for more egregious hits to the head? Even if it is for fewer games, it would show that the policy isn't arbitrary and the league doesn't have favored players slash teams. So that's from John G. And then the related question is, at what point does the NFL adopt the no-nonsense rule like the NCAA has for targeting? Um, so obviously this is all in, in perfect hit is the kind of the big topic here. And he was suspended for the season. There were also some other pretty brutal hits this week um, where there were in the Patriots game specifically, there was not an ejection handed out there. What's your kind of read on that entire situation, Shil? It was a really tough week for that. Uh, I mean, yeah. it really stood out when you looked at all of them and counted all of them, just the number of vicious, violent hits. And it's, uh, you know, it's, I am glad they brought up the topic. It's a very uncomfortable topic. I, I think my, uh, you know, podcast partner in Philadelphia, Bo Wolf, was pointing to that Eagles Packers game and just saying, like, that really tested how much you love football, that Thursday night game, because it was this great game. It's at Lambeau Field. You have Aaron Rodgers at like the, the peak of his powers. And then you have these, you know, two hits that guys are just leaving the field on stretchers. And it, it, it's just very um, uncomfortable. So to, to, to get to the question, you know, I think obviously perfect is a repeat offender. And I thought Ross Tucker in his column on the athletic did a, a great job of explaining that this guy should not play in the league again. And I'm totally on board with that. You can only have so many opportunities. Uh, I think it's a fair question to ask why the other guys didn't get suspended. You know, I thought Donovan Smith in that Bucks Rams game, uh, you know, if you haven't seen the clip, don't watch it. I will just explain yeah. it to you, but yeah. it's really tough to watch. Marcus Peters had a pick six of Jameis Winston and left tackle Donovan Smith was chasing him down. And really, it was one of the most brutal hits I've seen. You know, if that one doesn't warrant a suspension, then it's really tough to say what actually would. And it's 
I hear their, I hear his point here. I hear John's point because unless you start really suspending some of these guys, it's not going to get to the point where their coaches are saying, you know, you, you know, you can't do that. You've got to play with more discipline because you're costing us wins. You're costing yourself uh, money here. So there's no easy solution. Uh, obviously, it's a very difficult topic. I don't love the NCAA's uh, move for targeting where they just throw someone out because I do think there are varying degrees. And as unfair as it seems like, for somebody to sort of um, arbitrarily decide what you know what should warrant a suspension, what should warrant a fine, what shouldn't. That's kind of how the system is in place. And I, I think they should probably just err on the side of uh, being a little more harsh. you know that that might be kind of a short term solution here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a it's a really uncomfortable topic and it's uncomfortable to watch, obviously, and it makes watching football, you kind of feel bad about watching it when you see hits like that. And I agree with you. I also, you know, what Ross, Tucker, what Ross Tucker wrote about how he believes that Burfick should be just kicked out of the league at this point. I do agree with that as well. I think at this point he's kind of proven himself to be a danger to other players on the field, and he's shown really no signs of remedying that. Um, and But I also agree with you that they need to be consistent with the way that they're enforcing these rules or else it's just going to seem like, as I think John said, kind of an arbitrary selection of who gets ejected and who gets to keep playing. And, and that kind of then that kind of erases the importance of, of eliminating these hits a little bit. So, um, OK, so we're going to move on to a little bit of a lighter topic now. So we're back to uh, trying to figure out the different things that are going on in the league, which right now, again, a team we mentioned before, the Carolina Panthers and as well as the Jacksonville Jaguars both have quarterbacks we did not think that they would have right now. So Bryce D wants to know, Dear Shield, in your opinion, who is most likely to keep their quarterback position when their team's number one guy returns? Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville or Kyle Allen in Carolina? Man, that's a really, uh, that's a good question. That's a tough question. Both guys have been very, uh, very fun to watch. You know, yeah. uh, that that Minshew touchdown, I think it was in the third quarter where he was just dancing around in the pocket and <laughs> yes. uh, avoiding like three defenders. Uh, obviously, the the cult of Minshew, if, if, no, if anybody has not read uh, Jason Jenks of The Athletic did just a fantastic piece on Gardner Minshew when he was at Washington State last year, which is, you know, like one of my favorite pieces um, that really, you know, I think led to the the sort of cult of Minshew or Minshew mania or whatever you want to call it. But uh, I think he actually probably has the better chance. And they obviously spent a lot of money on Nick Foles, but I think they signed Nick Foles with the thought that, listen, if this guy can give us like mediocre quarterback play, given the defense we have, we can really compete for the division. And the fact that Minshew has come in and kind of given them that type of play, I mean, Foles obviously I, I think probably has a higher upside and we saw him get hot in a playoff setting and in a big spot. And so those are all tough things to have to weigh. But if you're looking towards your future and you have a, a young quarterback who's really execu executing the offense pretty well, I think you might have to keep him in there and give him a shot. I, I think in Carolina, it might just be tough from sort of a PR perspective. I mean, to yeah. have a healthy Cam Newton like standing on the sideline. <laughs> oh, uh, God, yeah. I can't even imagine. Like, it's impossible to picture, you know, and given yeah. what he sort of meant to the franchise and what he's accomplished, even if he might not be 
the same player, that kind of thing. So I think we've seen it that, um, you know, Newton is really taking his time to get back and he's not going to be rushed back and all those different types of things. Uh, you know, Allen was good, but I think he did what he fumbled, I think, three times. So, um, you know, if that game goes a different way, maybe we're having a different conversation about a young quarterback who's turning the ball over. Uh, overall, though, I have liked what I've seen from from both of the quarterbacks. Yeah, the thing about Minshew is he's just super fun to watch, and that's just a really weird thing to say about the Jaguars. I feel like yeah. they haven't like really loved. It was really funny on Sunday. My boyfriend texted me and was just like, "I'm loving watching the Jaguars right now." And then yeah, he was like, uh, I don't think I've ever typed that sentence before <laughs> right. in my life. And I was like, "Yeah, that's pretty weird to hear," but like they are fun, and he has a certain kind of charisma and 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 like fun to him that just makes them kind of a joy to watch right now. So we'll see how long if it continue to last. But I agree that it's tough to replace Cam Newton long term with what he's done with that franchise. And it's not quite as hard when Nick Foles hasn't been a Jaguar for very long at all. So it's yeah. like more logical to do it with Minshew. I think that's a great point about the Jaguars because, you know, we, we look at we always judge everything by like, does the team have a chance to uh, get to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl? And obviously that relates to what we're seeing in Miami with the Dolphins. But I always argue there's something to be said just for like the the fan experience, you know, fan experience of sitting down on a Sunday and do you feel like your three hours were well spent? You know, are you entertained? Is there, does the team bring you any type of joy? You know, do you hate the yes. team? Are they just like frustrating <laughs> you to no end? And so, uh, you know, we focus so much on art. Are they doing everything to uh, get the most draft? capital and be able to get a franchise quarterback and compete for a Super Bowl and all those different types of things. But I, I honestly think sometimes that's overrated. Like sometimes you have a nine and seven team who you just loved and you know what? It was fun getting together with your friends or going to a game or just watching on the couch by yourself. And it was like time well spent. Like that is part yeah. of the fan experience. It's not always just winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, definitely. So it seems like Minshew's kind of providing that right now for the Jaguars for at least the first time that I can remember in a little bit. So, um, all right. So moving on, there were quite a few questions about the NFC North this week. So I'll kind of combine a couple. So um, Chad H. asks, Dear Sheila, how do you rank the NFC North? And then uh, there's also a question about Trubisky and the Bears as well, and whether the Bears will be better starting Chase Daniel over Mitch Trubisky for the rest of the season. So I figure in your wherever you rank the Bears in that uh, in that division, you can kind of touch on the Daniel Trubisky thing, because now that's becoming a, a debate now. Yeah, this this is a tough one. I mean, they are just so, uh, so bunched up in the NFC North. I, I thought the Lions were going to be borderline disaster. Uh, Me too. And they're this, weirdly good. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> weird, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> they really are. I mean, you know, they lost that game against the Chiefs, but I think I bumped them way up in the power rankings because I thought that was their most Me impressive yeah. game of the season. So, uh, man, if I had to the, to pick the team right now, I this is another team who I thought <laughs> was going to take a big <laughs> step back, but I kind of feel best about the Bears. I mean, I know yeah. what their identity is. I thought they were going to experience some regression defensively, but, man, that was a dominant defensive performance. It seems like Khalil Mack might be better than he was last year. They have backups coming in who are just, you know, uh, crushing the opposing quarterback. So uh, I don't know. I still have questions about the Trubisky-Daniel thing. I don't think they're better off with Daniel, and I'm not a huge Trubisky guy, but I think yeah. – 
if he can just not turn the ball over, make yeah. some plays with his legs, they're going to run the ball. Nagy does a really good job of scheming up some plays. Like they don't have to be the Chiefs and score 30 plus points a game. You know, they just have to right. sort of be um, competitive on offense. So uh, I think Trubisky in the long run gives them that more than Daniel would. Uh, after that, I, I might say the Packers, I think number two, I think their defense is still good, even though they didn't play well last week. Offensively, it does seem like, you know, we, we all made such a big deal about the, you know, LaFleur coming in McCarthy being gone, this new offense. And like, if you watch that game, their boss, best offense was Aaron Rodgers running around and doing Aaron Rodgers things like, yeah, they, you yeah. know, they, they weren't, they weren't, you know, coming up with great things schematically. He was just unbelievable. And so that's right. something where I, I don't know if that's going to be sustainable at this point in his career for the entire season. But um, I would probably go with them second. The Lions, again, they're, they're better than I thought they were going to be. I'd put them third. And I thought the Vikings were going to win the division going into the season. Uh, I'm not giving up on them totally. But man, it just seems like the same episode with them when they face a good defense. Uh, I don't see many answers that they have uh, offensively, even though they added Gary Kubiak in the offseason, added some offensive linemen. It really looks like the same offense we've seen uh, previously with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, they just looked dreadful the other night. So we'll see. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I think that's a that's an accurate ranking of that division right now. But yeah, it is just all kind of weirdly bunched up together. And it seems like the Bears right now probably have the edge, but everybody, it seems like that could change. It's very fluid. It seems like yes. they could overcome another really quickly. Um, another division that Alan C. has a question about is one you know uh, very well, the NFC East. Um, and Alan C. is asking, who is the dominant team in the NFC East? Is it the Cowboys, who beat three awful teams, then lost against a good team? Is it the Eagles, who had a statement win against the Packers on Thursday, but previously lost two? Or is it the Giants, who are now fully invested in Danny Jones and have won two in a row? And then he says, is it the Redskins who, well, no, it's not the Redskins. <laughs> yeah. And he says, FYI, I'm an Eagles fan. Yeah, I, I think we can rule out Washington. That, that That's right. You know, I think it, it, it's funny when you compare them to the Giants, though, because the Giants obviously have a coach who wanted to play Daniel Jones. And, uh, you know, I, I made fun of the Giants like everyone else for what they did during the draft. But Jones has looked, uh, he, he's kind of fun to watch so far. I, I've enjoyed him. And so at least Giants fans, again, you, ha you have a reason to watch every Sunday a young quarterback uh, who's kind of fun. So I think they're third. It's tough between the other two. You know, I was really buying the Cowboys hype. Everyone pointed out to the fact that they hadn't played anybody in the first three games, but I, I thought they really passed the eye test. I thought Prescott was kind of playing as aggressively uh, as we'd seen and was as comfortable as we've seen at any point in his career, but they really did lay an egg there in New Orleans. So maybe that was a one week thing, or maybe they did benefit from an easy schedule early. And uh, the Eagles, that was a huge win for them Thursday yeah. night. You know, they were at the point where their season, it looked like might be uh, falling apart a little bit. They go on the road as underdogs. And I thought they really figured some things out. They got healthy. Uh, the, the second year tight end Dallas Goddard, I thought was a huge factor for them. They, they did a good job in the run game, but they're really banged up defensively right now. So uh, if I had to say in the short term, I think if like the Cowboys and Eagles were playing on a neutral field right now, I, I think the Cowboys would probably have a slight edge, but uh, the Eagles do have kind of the infrastructure there with the coaching staff where they, they've had the longer track record. And, um, you know, I think o overall the, the talent on the rosters are pretty similar. So I think they play in a couple weeks and we'll get a, a pretty good answer about which team's better. Yeah, the Eagles just looked really 
balanced the other night in their in their big win, which yeah. I think is what we were really expecting kind of going into the season. And they made, I know we keep bringing up power rankings, but they made like a huge jump this week. I think they jumped 10 spots back into, I think they're number six now. And we all thought they were going to be really good, I think, before the season even started. So um yeah so that i'm excited for when they do play each other that should be a fun that should tell us a lot about both i think so i'm excited for that all right so we're gonna wrap we have a couple more when i get to like two more here one is more advice because Sheila is who everyone goes to for advice um <laughs> we have abhishek s here asks dear Sheila, new nfl fan here really enjoying reading the nfl articles since i am a newbie to the sport I am only following teams like the Giants, Patriots, Chiefs, and Packers. What are your suggestions on what stuff I should read or watch to have a better understanding of the sport? Oh, well, that's an interesting one. That's a, that's a <laughs> tough question, but thank you for reading the uh, NFL articles and subscribing. I mean, there's so many layers, uh, I feel like, to football where, you know, you can it, some people you might just want to watch on uh, Sundays and maybe do some fantasy or uh, do some legalized gambling if that's your <laughs> thing, whatever. But, you know, it's kind of all about the game day experience. If you have a team, you're obviously reading uh, more about that specific team. And then there's, you know, these very in-depth layers. If you read somebody like Ted Wynn on our site where, it, you know, he's just like this, this football X's and O's encyclopedia where you're just shocked by, wow, all these things happened on one play uh, to make that work. So, uh, you know, if you want to get to that level, I would definitely recommend uh, reading somebody like Ted Wynn, if you want to pick a team, you know, I, I, that that's not a, a bad move to make and just kind of go all in on them. Or you might be happy where you are and just watch the watch the games every Sunday, enjoy the experience, maybe get together with friends and do some of those other things. So uh, I think there are different different layers to it based on what you're looking for. Yeah. And Ted Wynn does those pretty in-depth film breakdowns. So that kind of gives you if you want to if you want to be kind of a get a lot smarter about exactly what's going on. Those are good things to read. Um, as well, and Sheil, of course, you do your picks against the spread. If you wanted to, <laughs> if you wanted to, uh, you know, do some of that legalized gambling, Sheil could guide you. Um, I had my right. first winning week, Amy. Eight and <laughs> oh seven. my God! Look I'm going to let the reader. I'm going to let the readers know in this week's column. Yeah, so. you better. I'll put it in in, in enlarged font on the top. <laughs> <Thank> like, <you. laughs> like make it even bigger so they know. Um, all right, we're going to wrap up here with the last question um, from Harrison K, and as well as a response from Kyle V. So I'll read both. So Harrison K says, Dear Shill, what's the most national guy thing you have done since leaving the Eagles beat? And Kyle V responds with ate a cheesesteak with Swiss. (laughs) (laughs) What's the most nat you know, that's a tough question i don't you know what he's referring to is i was full-time on the the eagles beat and now i sort of had have this hybrid role where i'm writing national stuff and still doing some eagle stuff i don't know i'm trying to stay away from the national stereotypes like this whole (laughs) podcast you know i didn't say anything like uh i was talking to this gm and he told me you know that that type of thing so i'll try to stay away from that i'll try to stay uh true to my roots and the cheesesteak thing, you know, this may surprise some people. I'm a, actually a vegetarian. It's like the most, oh, non, wow. it's the most non-Philadelphia thing. I know I, I've grown up in uh, Philadelphia, but uh, so yeah, I wouldn't even eat the, uh, I don't like Swiss, but I don't eat cheesesteaks either. So I don't know what to, what to tell you there. <laughs> All right. Well, we're learning something new about you every day now, Sheila. <laughs> I, I want a new fact every day now that you're on the national team. That's there the you go. Now. 
All right. Thank you so much, Sheila, for coming on. This has been a blast. Uh, I'm Amy Parlo Piano. Thanks for listening to the Mailroom Podcast. And next week, we mentioned her many times uh, in relation to power rankings and how you guys like yelling at her in the comments. Lindsay Jones is going to be joining me, also my uh, power rankings podcast co-host as well. So uh, we'll see you then. And thanks again, Sheila.